Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Alleluia. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The most important thing about John chapter 10 is that it comes after John chapter 9. How's that for a revelation? Thank you, Captain Obvious. But I mean that with all sincerity. The chapter divisions in the Bible were not part of the original text. They were added later to help make looking up things easier. So that instead of saying... For example, the teaching of Jesus as the Good Shepherd is in John. Where? Well, about halfway through, you could say chapter 10. That's helpful. But these divisions were not always put in the most helpful places. And today, with the separation of chapters 9 and 10, is one of those places. Because when Jesus says in verse 1 of chapter 10, as we heard, truly, truly, I say to you, that's not coming out of the blue. He is responding to what has just happened in chapter 9. And what just happened at the end of chapter 9 is that the man who had been born blind, that Jesus healed which caused no small amount of commotion, had gotten thrown out of the synagogue because he would not deny Jesus. He would not call Jesus a sinner. Those demanding that answer, they were the gatekeepers. And this man, they said, could no longer come in. Now on the one hand, there is some truth to that. The priests of God in the Old Testament, for example, were gatekeepers. They were tasked with distinguishing the holy from the common, the clean from the unclean. Their job, part of their job, was to protect the holiness of God so that the holiness of God wouldn't hurt the people and the uncleanness of the people would not defile the holy places in the temple. So that God dwelling among his people, which is what the tabernacle and the temple were for, would be for their good. You see this in the New Testament, for example, when after healing the lepers... Jesus tells them, go show yourselves to the priests. So the priests could do their job and declare them clean. Now with the rise of the synagogue, which is not a place of sacrifice, but of teaching, it is the Pharisees, the really smart educated lay people among the Jews who were acting as the gatekeepers here. The problem is they were not being faithful. They were not teaching in truth. Maybe they thought they were, but they were not. They were, in fact, as Jesus said, thieves 
and robbers. For they were all about the law, all about the rules, instead of being all about the one who all those laws and rules pointed to. And we're supposed to be preparing the people to receive. So that by the time Jesus came along, instead of recognizing him as the Messiah, they saw him not as the fulfillment, but as a threat. A threat that must be eliminated. Which, as we remembered a few weeks ago, they did. God had spoken this very thing through the prophet Ezekiel. He calls out the so-called shepherds of Israel. They have been abusing the sheep. They have only been feeding themselves. He says this of these so-called shepherds. You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not found, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. And then God says through Ezekiel, because of all this, I myself will rescue or save my flock. They shall no longer be a prey, and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David. And he shall feed them, he shall feed them, and be their shepherd. Now when Ezekiel said that, David, King David, had already been dead for hundreds of years. So he was not talking about that guy. He was talking about the promised son of David. The one who would sit on David's throne forever. The one David was a pointer to, a picture of. The Messiah. The one who would be God himself. And that one is, of course, Jesus. So when Jesus comes along and says, I am the good shepherd. He is saying he is the son of David. He is the promised Messiah. He is God. And when he says, I am the door, and sometimes that's translated as gate, he is saying that he is the gatekeeper. The one who opens and closes, not the door of the tabernacle or the temple, not the door of the synagogue, but the door to heaven. His sheep enter through him. Trying to get in any other way, like through keeping the law or being good, makes you a thief and a robber. Trying to get something that doesn't belong to you. Because the kingdom of God is not something you can get. It is only given. Given to you by Jesus. So when the man born blind is thrown out of the synagogue, Jesus, the one who healed him, becomes his 
good shepherd. Jesus searches for him. Jesus finds him and takes him up and brings him into his fold. Jesus came that this man have life and have it abundantly. And now he not only has his sight, but what is even better, he has eternal life. And the Messiah he now sees with new eyes. He will see forever with risen eyes. And so will you. For Jesus has come that you have life and have it abundantly. He wants you to have life and eyes to see now, yes, but even more to have eyes to see eternally. He doesn't want you to only have a nice, big, beautiful house now, but a mansion forever. He doesn't only want to feed you now and care for you now, but to have you have a seat at his heavenly wedding feast that has no end. So he is your good shepherd. Meaning, he has searched for you and found you and taken you up and brought you into his fold, the church. You didn't do any of those things. He did. Because you couldn't. Just as the man born blind could never give himself sight. Jesus baptized you. Jesus sent his word to be read and preached to you. Jesus gave you parents and friends to do so. Jesus put a pastor here for that. So that you hear his voice. And know his voice. And follow his voice. And have life. But there was one more thing Jesus needed to do to be the door. He had to open the door of the grave. The grave that will one day shut us all in. Without that, we have life for a while, 60, 70, 80, maybe 90 years, but then that's it. But for a good shepherd, that's not good enough. So he came not just to open the door of the grave. That sounds too nice and easy. He came to kick it down, to obliterate it, so there's no way for it to hold us in. And we have no fear of it. So as your good shepherd, who now searches for you and finds you, how to say this, when he does, he doesn't find a nice, clean, obedient innocent, gentle little lamb. He finds you all dirty and filthy and disgusting with the sin you've been rolling around in, disobedient, rebellious, disrespectful, going your own way, not wanting to listen, telling God how he should do his job, telling him what is good and true instead of listening to what he has said, focusing and spending your time and energy on things that really don't matter instead of the things that really do. And wandering off, how often? 
But a good shepherd doesn't turn his back to you or brush you off. He loves you. So when he finds you, he cleans you off, washes you in baptism. He gives you a new heart and a new mind and a new spirit. And he takes you up and he brings you into his fold, his church, so that you can continue to receive his care and washing, his teaching and feeding and spirit. And he says, all that disgusting dirt and filth you had when I found you, all your rebellion and disobedience, I'll take care of that. You are free. Free from all that so that you can live free, not weighed down by regrets of the past, by your sins and failures, but live a new life. For I have come that you may have life. And have it abundantly. And Jesus did take care of that by going to the cross for you. He paid for what you did. And he gives you what he did. He dies your death that you have his life. And then as we celebrated three weeks ago, he kicked down, obliterated the door of death and the grave and rose to life again. And his sheep will follow him. You will follow him. Death will not be the end for you. Life will. Life from the dead. So just like that man born blind who would see Jesus not just for a while in this life but forever in eternal life. So with us who now hear the voice of our good shepherd. We will hear him not just for a while for now but forever. With not just a new heart and a new mind, but a risen one. Peter, as we heard earlier, put that truth this way. Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. That we not live the same old life, but a new life. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And then as we heard in the reading from Acts, they, the Christians, the one that Jesus has found, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread, and to the prayers, which is to say they devoted themselves to Jesus. To be their good shepherd who was first devoted to them. Because to be devoted to the apostles' teaching is to be devoted to their teaching about Jesus. To be devoted to the fellowship is to be devoted to the church, which is the body of Christ. To be devoted to the breaking of the bread is to be devoted to the supper of Jesus' body and blood. To be devoted to the prayers is to be living in Jesus' flock, listening to him and speaking to him. It's all about Jesus. They were all about Jesus because he was all about them. So that's the key for us today, too. You know, you believe, 
But if we really knew and believed that Jesus was all about us and always doing good for us and is our one and only good shepherd and the true door to heaven, would we live as we do? Would we despair as we do? Would we keep looking for life in all the wrong people and places and things? Would we worry so much about what doesn't really matter and worry a little bit more about what does? Could it be said of us that we devoted ourselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers? If that's true for you, praise God. If not, repent. Because your good shepherd is here for you. To wash you and forgive you and feed you and speak his word of life to you. To be devoted to you even when you're not so devoted to him. Because he is your good shepherd. Faithful shepherd. Truly good, truly life, truly for you. And not partly or at times, but always and completely. From manger to cross to grave to life. So what a joy Good Shepherd Sunday is to hear this once again. And to sing it as we do. That for the sheep, the lamb has bled. That the king of love my shepherd is. That I am Jesus' little lamb. And that Jesus is the lamb upon his throne who died eternal life to bring and lives that death may die. That in his flock and with his care you have nothing to fear. Not even death itself. For Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. So you too have a chapter 10 in your life. You are not on your own, and even if the world throws you out, for you too, the door, the gate, is open. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.